caro professore, buongiorno. Buongiorno, hi everybody. Sorry for the delay and thank you so much for inviting me. I hope you can hear me well now. Fantastic. Yes, sir. We're a little bit upset because you are not late, so we don't get to we don't get to to laugh at you for this. But uh, other than that, we're extremely extremely happy to see you here today. Um, a little context: uh, uh, you are an Italian professor, a specialist of the Danubian Europe that runs from Ukraine to uh, to Hungary. Uh, I'm being told that you know a lot about Romania as well. Hopefully. A little bit about Serbia. We have a few questions about what's going on in Serbia, but if you don't, that's fine. And you don't feel comfortable. Um, and other than that, uh, we do have one huge question about Hungary, which is why aren't they helping? But before we, we slice this uh, into smaller questions, I'd like to ask you what just happened? Uh, there was a big meeting and then a, a fantastic amount of confusion. And if anyone sees clearly through this, it's you. Uh, are you referring? Uh, I, I don't know what what meeting are you referring to. There is a lot of chaos now in Hungary, uh, political and social and economic turmoil. So it, it is a very interesting moment uh, uh, to speak about uh, about Hungary, at, not only in relation with Ukraine, even if uh, uh, um, uh, failed Hungarian support uh, to Ukraine and the informal veto echoed uh, uh, yesterday by Finance Minister Varga uh, at the uh, EU summit was, uh, was a very clear sign that Orban uh, has decided to, uh, to take this issue up to, the, up, up to the very end. But on the very same day, yesterday uh, evening, there was a dramatic change uh, in the Hungarian uh, internal uh, politics because uh, uh, a press conference was uh, called on 10.30 p.m., which is a very, very unusual uh, moment for, uh, for Hungary. Most people are already in bed and uh, journalists are not working. Usually at that time, no press conference have, have Uh, are, are, are being uh, uh, summoned uh, uh, in that moment and they announced uh, something which was in the air but still it was very dramatic uh, the, they announced uh, the immediate end of uh, um, state uh, imposed price cap on uh, fuel uh, in Hungary which meant uh, the immediate rise in fuel prices by approximately one third It was uh, this measure, this drastic measure was necessary because uh, uh, this protectionist uh, uh, and state measure and state intervention had caused uh, such a shortage in fuel, uh, which was totally unprecedented in Hungary. Uh, over the last uh, three or four days, uh, there, was, uh, there was panicking. People were just trying to stock up and uh, and uh, and. Uh, Uh, buy uh, as much fuel uh, as they could because it was uh, uh, practically impossible uh, uh, to find it. Uh, the economic, uh, the, the whole economy was being disrupted. Uh, uh, so they uh, basically abolished uh, that price cap they introduced uh, well before the war. And in doing this, they blamed indirectly Ukraine and then blamed uh, uh, directly uh, the so-called Brussels sanctions and the, san the war sanctions do, uh, 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 introduced because of the war, even if uh, the price cap had been introduced, as I already told you, in November 2021, so well before the Russian invasion started. Uh, all these developments are very worrying for, for Orban because uh, on the one side, there is a new level discussion Uh, and possibly a decision in December over the freezing of uh, well over 10 billion euro of, uh, of, um, of cohesion and the recovery funds uh, Hungary uh, uh, should get from the European Union. On the other hand, uh, uh, we, 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 also, we were also told uh, 
that the, uh, the U.S. Ambassador, uh, ambassador to Hungary, the newly appointed U.S. Ambassador to Hungary, traveled yesterday uh, to Brussels uh, to held, as he, as he told us uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tweet, so it is absolutely open source, that, uh, to held uh, talks with Hungarian and EU representatives uh, over Ukraine, over help to Ukraine. Uh, he possibly, he possibly, uh, he was possibly uh, conveying a, a kind of message from Washington that uh, uh, this Hungarian veto politics uh, uh, has to be stopped immediately. Uh, otherwise, there might be uh, serious com uh, consequences uh, uh, on the bilateral level and on the transatlantic level as well. So, uh, Orban. As, 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 as you all know, because it's, it's, it's in the news almost every day, uh, and not only in Hungary, uh, in the international press as well, uh, Orban successfully uh, blocked uh, helping policy to Ukraine at a bilateral level and uh, at some extent, like, some extent at EU level for months and months. Now all this is becoming uh, more and more difficult. It is true that the German position is always uh, shifting uh, between uh, adherence to um, uh, NATO policy and uh, kind of separate agreements uh, uh, with the Russians. The French also are very ambiguous in their policy, but uh, potential allies of Hungary or allies of Hungary on another plan, on an ideological plan, for example, Poland, but also Italy, uh, they have a very different line and very different approach on Ukraine, as you know. So uh, I would say that Orban finds himself probably the most isolated since he, he, he got back to power in 2010. And this is a very significant development. Oh, thank you. That was that was such a, a clear presentation of the whole situation. Um, I guess um, the the before we dwell into into the the immediate consequence, a little bit of background. Um, I am having some problem understanding uh, why Orban uh, has decided to suddenly part ways with his uh, historical ideological allies. Um, as you said, the Italians, the the uh, the Poles are strongly supporting Ukraine. Why would why would Hungary not do the same? And isn't it always open for him to return to that position? Mm -hmm. Look, uh, uh, we are still looking for good explanations uh, uh, why why Orban decided uh, to to side with the Russians. Uh, as you might know, Orban. Uh, came from a Hungarian national nationalist tradition uh, in the 19 in, in the 20th century which was very much and was consistently anti-russian and anti-soviet and Orban, Orban himself as a young person in the 1980s 1990s even in the early uh, 2000s when Putin came to power uh, was known uh, to be a consistently anti-Russian right-wing politi uh, politician uh, during his, firm, uh, his first uh, uh, term in power between uh, 1998 and 2002, he was consistently uh, anti-Russian. He never visited Russian. And uh, uh, he continued to be like this uh, uh, while being the leader of the Hungarian opposition. Why, interestingly, it was the Hungarian left uh left 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 wing party at that time the socialist party was the biggest one and they were in power from 2002 2010 uh, the socialist party and especially former prime minister ferenc Gyurcsány were those who aligned themselves uh, uh with putin over a lot of issues uh, uh most importantly uh gas uh, supply uh, starting making special agreements with, with, with Gazprom. And Orban complained very bitterly about it and had uh, even verbal fights. Uh, I remember very well a very nice and very powerful verbal 
fight uh, during uh, during a public event in Budapest in 2007 with the Russian ambassador, ambassador to Budapest who summoned Hunger, uh, Orban, who was uh, in the room, summoned him in Hungarian, uh, looking at him uh, and, and telling him, do you understand me like I'm a mafioso, you know? Um, and so that was Orban's relationship with, with the Russian. It was a known relationship. Uh, and I could also mention the Russian aggression to Georgia, uh, August 2008, when the Hungarian government, uh, uh, left-wing government, failed to strongly condemn the Russian invasion. And, uh, and Orban, who was the leader of, of the Hungarian opposition, who, by contrast, uh, uh, voiced uh, a very clear NATO-compatible and anti-Russian position. All these changed abruptly, and we have evidence of it in the press, in Orban's uh, public declarations as well. All these changes or started to change after Orban's first official trip to Russia in November 2009. He visited St. Petersburg. Uh, he was invited uh, by Prime Minister Putin, uh, as you know, Putin was not president at that time, so Medvedev uh, took over briefly for four, four years uh, between 2002 and 2012. Putin was only, in brackets, uh, prime minister, but of course he was the, the strongman of the, of the country. He invited Orban uh, to attend uh, the Congress of United Russia, the ruling party. Orban went there and had a... a face-to-face -face meeting of a half an hour with Putin. We still don't know what the two guys discussed about in that half an hour, but we have evidence from the press, for, from all public declarations of Orban, and also from uh, backyard decisions taken by Orban just before the elections he won in 2010 and after. That, that was a turning point in Orban's perception of Russia and personally of Putin. Uh, so we have two theories here. Uh, the first theory is only, is, is business. It's very simply the fact that uh, Putin made Orban understand that Hungary and Orban and his ruling, part, uh, ruling party personally can, uh, can have a lot to profit from uh, special deals with Russia. So very pragmatically, they can cut a deal and Hungary uh, can become an important country in uh, mediating and vehiculating the Russian position through the European Union. And it was already a, uh, a difficult moment in Russia's relationship with Ukraine. You might remember the so-called gas wars uh, which started between Russia and Ukraine immediately after the Orange Revolution of 2004. So it was already a moment when Ukraine was perceived by Russia, by Moscow, as a potential uh, uh, threat and Western Trojan horse, and Hungary uh, could be useful in this respect. The other theory is, is apparently more weird, but uh, for those who know, uh, how the Soviet and post-Soviet system work, uh, it can make sense. And uh, we have to start uh, uh, from Orban's term uh, as a soldier uh, in 1982. Uh, he spent approximately one year as a soldier. He was 18 years old. And uh, according to some sources, he became an informant for the uh, Hungarian military counterintelligence, a very petty one. So he, he gave absolutely no, no precious information. He just informed them about uh, the behavior of, 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 some, of, of some comrades. Nothing ex uh, exceptional. But we have to know that uh, within the Warsaw Pact, uh, Soviet military intelligence was very much present in everyone. Uh, of the uh, military staff and uh, military uh, uh, units uh, of the Warsaw Pact countries, and all information went to Moscow. So 
there might be some information concerning that uh, very special period of Orban's life. So I'm speaking about 1982, so 40 years ago, uh, in some Moscow archives, of course, not reachable, uh, not public information, but there might be uh, some kind of compromise. The other compromise is a bit more concrete and a bit more recent and mixes up uh, ideology and, and money and business. In 1994, uh, Viktor Orban was already leader of Fidesz, the Hungarian ruling party of nowadays, and he was already an MP. He was a member of the Hungarian uh, parliament, a very young and very promising one. And, uh, and uh, in the end of the electoral campaign of 1994, he was given a sum of money uh, from a Russian oligarch, uh, a very shady one. He was actually one of the bosses of the uh, Russian-Ukrainian uh, uh, mafia at that time. Uh, in Hungary, he was uh, just called a Sheva Baci, Uncle Sheva. And he had permanent residence in Hungary uh, at that time. He helped him, Orban, uh, giving personally him through an intermediary, a German guy, uh, uh, coffin with uh, a bag uh, with almost one million Deutsche Mark inside. It was 1994. And uh, the German guy later testimonied, so we have a written testimony uh, written by this guy, so we don't know whether it is true, but it is his version of the story. Uh, this operation, uh, this moment was filmed and uh, when this Russian mafioso was arrested in Moscow in 2008 and later released only one year after, in 2009, he could have handled this compromising material in Orban uh, to the Russian authorities. And this is why in November 2009, Orban could have had this appointment and this opportunity, but also this amendment by, by Putin that Okay, Victor, we can do business, but you know the conditions. Uh, this is very important to understand how Viktor Orban's uh, perception of Russia and of Putin has changed over the years. So Viktor Orban, so Hungary is not Serbia. Hungary is not Bulgaria. Hungary uh, is not an Orthodox country. Uh, is no Slavic country. It has no significant uh, Russian population, no Russian-speaking population in Hungary. So there are no historical cultural reasons for Hungary to be even an informal ally of Russia. All Orban uh, has been doing uh, for the last 12 years, he does it for business, for other reasons. Another important issue we can briefly discuss about, of course, I'm not an expert of, of, uh, of, uh, of, 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 of nuclear issues, but we have the issue of the nuclear plant. In 2014, January 2014, Orban uh, went to Moscow without, very, uh, without any notice and signed an agreement uh, uh, with Gazprom, with the Russian, with the Russian authorities uh, for the constructions uh, of a new nuclear plant in the Hungarian city of Poch, alongside the, the old one, which, uh, which had been built in, in, during the Soviet times. The construction hasn't started yet, but it should be the biggest infra infrastructural project uh, uh, for Hungary ever, uh, valuing uh, roughly 15 billion uh, euros. Uh, it could have been a great opportunity for Gazprom, uh, to acquire a good reference in a new country, but after the uh, after the beginning of the Russian aggression against Ukraine, so after February 2022, of course, uh, the project was not stopped officially, but it became clear that since uh, most of the technology required uh, for this project comes from uh, Western companies and Western companies were not supplying Gazprom anymore. Uh, the whole project has practically collapsed. No one told it explicitly, unlike in Finland, 
Finland has a had a similar project and a similar agreement with Gazprom, they immediately called it off in March uh, 2022. Hungary refused to do so. They 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 are sticking to the agreement officially, but they are they have been not building the plant. Everyone trying to to get some information uh, has to rely on 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 <clears throat> very non-talkative uh, official official statements. Uh, we just say that everything uh, goes, uh, you know, it's like a special operation of Putin. So everything goes along the plan. But we, we, we don't know what the plan is uh, uh, right now, but there is a huge amount of money put into this and a huge amount of uh, political capital Orban has put into it. And uh, so in many ways, he's so much linked now to Putin. He's so much dependent on Putin that uh, scaling back this dependence and uh, in a way betraying him is, uh, could pose a, a very, very uh, significant political risk uh, on him as well. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I did not know about this meeting in 2009 in St. Petersburg. Uh, it's it's fascinating. One one has to wonder what happened there. Do 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 you happen to know exactly where where the meeting took place? Oh, it, uh, I don't know where in Saint Petersburg, but it was the it was the Congress of United Russia. So it was a very official event. Uh, Orban was not in the official delegation, so there was no official Hungarian delegation. But we know for sure that Orban, with a couple of people, only a couple of people, went there and. Had the chance to meet uh, to meet Putin. Uh, the Russians as well announced the meeting, so they 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 they, they gave they they uh, there there was also a Russian language statement uh, uh, on the fact that uh, that Prime Minister Putin uh, had met with uh, Viktor Orban. Viktor Orban was at time only uh, the leader of the Hungarian opposition, but we have to know that uh, new elections had been scheduled in uh, April 2010, so only five months later, and Orban was leading the poll by a landslide. And in fact, he won those elections. Uh, uh, Fidesz got more than 50% of popular support and two thirds of seats in the Hungarian parliament, parliament. So that was basically the turning point of the Hungarian politics, which allowed uh, Viktor Orban not only to to come back onto the pitch, to come back into the Hungarian politi political gain, but to start building uh, his own regime. Thank you. That, yeah. All right. Uh, that that was fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Professor. Uh, you're welcome. I, I I think you should do this for a living. Uh, you do as you want, right? But you're. you're... <laughs> You have a knack for this. Yeah, I try. Uh, yeah, some some of these hints, of of course, I try to uh, uh, to teach them. So I, I put some of these things in, into teaching. But it is very very recent history. So uh, as a professor of history, I I, I I I'm always a bit uneasy in 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 treating these topics as uh, as history. Of course, they are not. They are history in the making, and. Uh, it is very difficult to make assessments uh, or definitive ass assessments. Now we can just uh, uh, make a hypothesis. We we can just uh, uh, analyze the facts, and, and then someone else will confirm or uh, debunk them. Uh, in a couple of decades, when when we will get all the elements of the of the puzzle. Hopefully very soon uh, you'll have access to the famed Russian archives. <laughs> um, all right. I'd like to acknowledge my friend Bayonada, who may have, have, may have questions for you. Uh, otherwise, I've got half a ton that I can unload. Please, Ben, start, start with your questions. All right. So um, we see that while this... Um, very political story is unfolding. Um, and as you mentioned, there are some 
tremendous economic uh, issues with, um, with in, in Hungary. Do you know what has caused them? Uh, is it is it directly related to Orban, and why why isn't it more important for him to well, what what is he trying to do to solve those those economic issues that his country is confronted with? Hmm. Not an easy question. Uh, until COVID uh, in 2020, Hungary experienced uh, some years of fast economic growing and the improvement in life standards and this is this is what really fueled uh, the electoral success of the system until covid then as as we all know there was a, a recession temporary recession global temporary recession caused by covid in 2020 a recovery in 2021 and then uh, this new challenge of war uh, orban Orban was 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 quite convinced, and we 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 have now evidence of it uh, uh, from statements made by the ch- the, uh, the chiefs of the Hungarian military uh, and civilian intelligence uh, statements made uh, uh, in front of the special commission uh, of the Hungarian Parliament uh, uh, during this year. They declared that they didn't think they shared the opinion of the French or German or Italian intelligence, which were all very much, they were were very much convinced that at the end of the day, Russia will not militarily attack uh, Ukraine. They didn't, they basically didn't believe the Americans. Uh, This is the, uh, this is the starting point. So they were really caught by surprise when, uh, when all this happened. And we might remember that Viktor Orban was among the very few uh, political leaders uh, to personally uh, visit uh, Vladimir Putin was one of the very last one to visit him. Uh, it was February the 1st, 2022, only three weeks uh, before the invasion. And at that time, Orban came back with a very clear impression that Putin is not going to attack. Then he backed down uh, uh, and, uh, and he started saying that Oh, I knew that Putin is is going to attack, but he did absolutely nothing to prevent him. So uh, the economic policy uh, of Orban has always been a mixture, a mix of state protectionism, uh, interventionism and uh, neoliberalism, uh, neoliberal policies, which means uh, 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 free way to big multinationals, especially especially German, Austrian, Central European capital from the automotive sector, sector uh, to invest in Hungary at very, very favorable conditions. Favorable conditions means tax exemptions, very low wages. So low wages made Hung- Hungary attractive and uh, no trade unions, uh, no collective rights for workers, so very uh, sloppy uh, regulations on, on workplace, uh, very in favor of the, uh, very, very, very fav- favorable for the investors and very detrimental to the workforce. Uh, and the, this whole complex, this whole situation was made possible in the framework of an authoritarian government, of an authoritarian rule. And all this worked until the, the general living standard uh, didn't decline or even, uh, uh, or even increased. But starting with this year, due to the inflation, Hungary is now expecting an inflation peaking around 25%. And the overall 25% uh, uh, is not very much telling of what is happening. Uh, Inflation for uh, food, for example, so uh, inflation for uh, for food uh, has been growing during 2022 by 60 or even 80%. Bread. 
the price of bread has doubled, milk has more than doubled. Uh, a lot of very, very primary, very uh, important uh, 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 stuff, meat, vegetables, fruit, and so on and so forth. Uh, all these prices uh, uh, increased very, very significantly uh, and uh, severely affected. Uh, the the consumption power of the Hungarian families. So Orban is now facing an unprecedented economic difficulty. He blames, he put all, all the blame, of course, in the official propaganda and uh, this morning and uh, starting from tonight, all Hungarian radio, TV stations, uh, uh, internet pay adverts uh, through uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram, and all social media platforms are putting huge blame on Brussels sanctions. So they, they call it Haborush uh, Inflatio, um, Sanctio Inflatio, which means uh, translated from Hungarian um, inflation due to sanctions. And the sanctions, of course, are imposed by Brussels without our consent or against our will. So this is the this is the argumentation. But the argumentation loses power when when people living along the border see, for example, that in Slovakia or Slovenia or Austria, uh, nothing similar uh, nothing similar happens. So there was no fuel shortage. Uh, there, there was no such an inflation, so inflation was huge everywhere in Europe, but 10 or 20 percent or 10, 20, 15 percent, not 25. And inflation on foods, on food, was maybe 20 percent, not 80. So the the uh, the the extent of the problem differs. The problem is common, but the impact, the local impact, is very different. Hungary is now a war-affected zone without being at war. This is a very significant development, and the Hungarian, uh, and, and the Hungarian government and Orban personally uh, cannot really explain it to the population. And most of the population is, is, is very slowly kind of you know, getting up from a dream and realizing now that something got wrong. What precisely, why precisely, and who is responsible? I think it will be a... Pain, slow and painful process of reckoning with the reality, uh, but it, 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 it's going to happen. Thank you very much. So that allows us to to put what you told us initially about the the, the fact that the Hungarian government has now allowed um, gasoline prices to float uh, and in effect to increase by 30%. This must have yet an, uh, uh, an even more terrible impact on the Hungarian population than it would if it was applied in any other European country at the time, at the same time. Like. Uh, yes, of course. Be yes, be because, uh, because I remember traveling through Italy and Slovenia when I, when I, go my, uh, when, when I do my commuting uh, uh, to Florence where I teach. Uh, in other countries, prices of fuel and gasoline started to increase already in the second half of 2021. So increase was, was sharp, but still gradual. So people had time to adapt to it. Of course, no one of them is of, of us is happy when we have to pay almost two or in some moments even more, more than two euros uh, for a, a liter of gasoline. Uh, if there is someone listening from the United States uh, you might know that uh, uh, the highest US, pr U.S. prices were still, I would say, almost nothing or very, very, very low compared to the European ones. So we would be very happy in Europe to have a, <laughs> uh, to have the American inflation of on, on fuel and gasoline. So uh, and, and, and Hungary uh, looked like uh, a happy island where nothing happens, uh, an island protected. Uh, with a shield by the government against uh, war, unhappiness, and uh, and uh, bad consequences. 
and now the shield was was kind of removed by the government and and uh, and uh, and the catastrophe is 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 is, uh, is driving through, through through the country because uh, this uh, this very sharp increase was coupled with a total shortage of fuel which 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 was which was really disrupting the economy and it didn't started really uh, the last weekend it first appeared in in during the summer i remember very well people driving uh, uh, a lot to find uh, uh, to find a place to find uh, uh, gasoline and uh, and fuel and this pri- this cap was first denied to foreigners uh, because in the very first month there was no distinction between hungarians and foreign plates so everyone everyone was allowed uh, to buy very cheap fuel in Hungary. So, you know, it's even better than socialism. So everyone liked it and the consumption skyrocketed. A lot of people were were traveling and using uh, much more fuel than necessary because it was cheap and it was really cheap. There was no no apparent trick at that time. Then the trick emerged because uh, I'm not an expert, but I, I, I was told by by people more competent than me that the trick was basically that Hungary has been uh, uh, purchasing uh, Russian oil, so the Ural oil, uh, through the friendship uh, channel, so basically through Ukraine or Belarus, and then uh, this oil is being refined. Uh, at the uh, at the plant facility of Sarsalombotta in Hungary by Hungarian state-owned company MOL, which is the biggest player in the Hungarian market, and it, it, it is a very significant player in the regional market as well. And then it is resold as brand to the external market, which is the consequence. Uh, since the price of price of brand skyrocketed this year so increased and the price of the russian oil uh was declining uh a difference of price a significant difference of price between the russian and the western oil was created and basically mol the hungarian state company made billions of euro making this business for them it was it was very very convenient to purchase quite cheap Russian oil and then resell it as kind of Western, better refined oil uh, after some treatment. And uh, they were able to repay with this, with this uh, machine, with, the, with, the, with, the, with this, uh, with, uh, with this maneuver, uh, the losses provoked by the fact that they were, uh, they were forced uh, to sell uh, the fuel in Hungary at a price which is, uh, for those who, who live in Euro, around 115 Euro, uh, 115 Euro cent uh, a liter, which is very cheap. It was, was, was by far the cheapest in Europe, I'm quite sure. So it was a very big business, very, 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 very good business for some months, both for the population, because uh, uh, we got uh, cheaper fuel and gasoline, and for mall, because they were making a lot of money. The problem is that in, uh, Hungary has to import from the West, so not from Russia, more than one third of oil. And uh, the importers starting from 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 june july 2022 the importers refused to sell oil so fuel and gasoline to hungary because they were losing too much money because of the uh, because of the price cap so shortage started to emerge precisely in july august when many many people are on the move and the shortage became permanent and in September, the Hungarian government was warned by Mol. In yesterday's press conference, the chief officer of Mol, Jolt Hernadi, 
uh, made a very precise statement. We warned the government in September that situation is getting critical, and we gave them, we gave Orban, basically, so the Hungarian government means Viktor Orban, two alternatives, either to, uh, to abolish the price cap or to use the strategic, uh, the strategic uh, reserves. Uh, reserves, yes, the Hungarian state has. They went for the second alternative. So they didn't want, for political reasons, they didn't want to abolish the price cap. They rather choose uh, to use the reserves, uh, the strategic reserves. But now, strategic reserves are almost over. That was the problem now in December. They were almost over. There was basically nothing to sell. <laughs> so it, it is, I think that in every, in every other country of Europe, oh, with a free press, and uh, and uh, good news coverage. What happened in Hungary over the last four or five days would have been such a big story that all people would only speaking about this. But in the Hungarian news, due to the, due to the very very peculiar uh, way in which uh, media is settled now in Hungary. There was basically no talk and no open talk in the media about this. Everyone was just wondering why the hell we don't have fuel anymore. But uh, reasons, connections, explanation were not really provi uh, provided. Provided, and this is why. This is why yesterday press conference, uh, almost in the middle of the night, uh, in in a very dramatic mood and tone, uh, was. Uh, such a big event because it came like an announcement like you know the swans lake in the, in the russian television when <laughs> very very bad, bad bad things happen uh it was really the swan lake moment and the face of the minister uh, uh Guyash, who is uh, the number two or thir third maybe number three of the regime was really embarrassed uh he was facing first time after a long time uh, a lot of journalists and some of them were even affiliated with, uh, with I would say, position-minded um, uh, outlets. So uh, some of opposition-related outlets were even allowed to take place in the press conference, which is not which is which not always happened in Hungary, and they were even allowed to 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 ask some questions, and they were very open. And the questions were not only provocative, but they were very substantial. And he was basically not able to answer. So all the country, because it was aired, uh, it was it was broadcast live by state television and and, uh, and a lot of other televisions. So it was basically seen by millions of people. Uh, it was a very seminal moment. We it is very very early to assess the political consequences of this for 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 the for the for the Orban system and for the for the old system of, you know, lies and half truth and propaganda they have built, but they will probably be uh, uh, very significant because uh, they have waited until the very very last moment uh, to uh, to raise uh, the price of fuel, and now they did it. Uh, it, it is happening in a very chaotic way. Uh, the Hungarian uh, foreign uh, is shrinking against. Uh, uh, the euro it is a very weak. Uh, it lost uh, more than 20% of its power, which is uh, uh, which is uh, which which is not in line uh, with other currencies uh, of Central Europe. If you look at the uh, the Czech crown or the Polish zloty, they all lost something uh, face to euro and, and 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 dollar, a US dollar, but not as much as the foreign. So Hungary has been labelled. A couple of days ago, which was another big scandal by the governor of the Hungarian National Bank, Jörg Motolci, and Motolci uh, is also uh, a very important player in Fidesz economic policy. Uh, he was very, very close, personally close to Viktor Orban. Uh, Motolci uh, said in the parliament very openly that Hungary is now 
among the the four four or five most most vulnerable financially speaking most vulnerable countries in the world that was a very tough world Ooh, porca miseria oh yes uh, yeah i i think that hungary hungary would 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 definitely deserve much uh, more attention and uh, not only because of the not only because of ukraine which is of course it is a big issue and this is the this is a, uh, the reason why i used to, to listen to you and i'm very very glad and very grateful for all all, all, all you are you are you are doing to raise uh the public awareness uh, uh on ukraine on the russian aggression on the necessity to help ukraine but i think that hungary uh partial, partially related with ukraine and partially uh because of its own it is a very important uh, uh it is a very important uh, uh uh issue because we got used over the last years uh, to the idea that orban is kind of he's invincible so he's he, he's here to stay for a very long time probably forever uh but i have the feeling now that uh, this is not probably uh, going to happen so i have i i have really the feeling that something could be on the move and something might happen in hungary also affecting the also affecting uh, uh the regional perspective and from this point of view uh if uh putin related hungary collapses i think that 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 might change uh a uh, couple of things uh, in central eastern europe as a whole so i think that this is something uh uh we 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 should focus a little bit more on uh i i know hungary is very very little known uh, hungarian language is almost uh, uh, impossible to manage uh, and uh, um and, and the hungarian uh, news system and media system is so cracked down that uh, it is very difficult really to to get reliable and substantial information from hungary but i think that now is the moment when uh, a bit more focus should be put on hungary because uh, what happens in hungary is not only important for hungary but uh, but uh, for the whole region uh, for the whole region as well Wow, fantastic. Uh, this is a promise. I will now put <laughs> Hungary in my in my rounds. But if I don't do a good job, you're always welcome to come back and uh, tell us straight. For the moment, we've got uh, one of your fellow Italians uh, who has a question to ask you. Erlando, come stai? Tutto bene, Ben. Te come stai? Comunque, non vado male. Do you have a question, <laughs> Stefano? Grazie mille Stefano che ti dedichi il tempo per noi. Eh, figurati, figurati, grazie a voi per l'ascolto. Eh, thank you Stefano. Uh, it's, uh, it's really, really informative. Um, so you touched into a lot of these points, but um, we saw now that the, the, the Hungarians, uh, Orban blocked the, the economical aid package that Uh, the European Union had been preparing for a long time, uh, quite a significant one, um, and uh, uh, it was blocked uh, by Hungary. And uh, it, it, a lot of, uh, especially the Eastern European countries, um, uh, were, were quite infuriated by this, um, and definitely not a diplomatic move if you want to to uh, keep relations. Uh, Uh, better in the region um, uh, and then you see at the same time as you have noted very well uh, for us that they are performing a very special isolationist uh, uh, policy uh, and it it seems very strange because the rest of Europe we look at at uh, Russia as the big losers that are eventually going to fail this uh, war in Ukraine and fail probably to a largest extent as a major uh, power player in uh, in the world and as a state. Um, and it, for me, at least, it seems like we're looking at someone who's digging his own grave, right? Um, uh, I just wondered, uh, how can you kind of describe uh, uh, what, what kind of mechanism <clears throat> makes one continue yeah. this, 
this this kind of behavior when everyone is seeing the obvious uh, uh, downfall that might that I think will happen. Either either you kind of create a a a problem where yeah okay you stay in power but <laughs> you you will eventually in, in, you know create a poverty and a lot of problem for your your country which um, <laughs> end your fate to a, a lot worse than if you just uh, try and reverse everything and and uh, and uh, keep good relations with your neighbors so thank you and I'm yeah uh, well, <laughs> oh, thank you very much excellent question and uh, I'm, I'm i'm very often wondering about it as well uh first very cynical explanation could be that hungary historically speaking um has a has a very bad touch in choosing allies uh, it happens in the first world war happened in the first second world war unfortunately it happens now uh so the hungarian political elites at times are totally out of touch with with, with the re- reality and this is not a new new feature this is not some special to orban but now it is all also happening to orban so orban uh, seemed to be uh, so convinced that first ukraine is not a properly functioning state he 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 often says things like this this that ukraine is not functioning properly as a state is not is not a is not a real state and i i know that they believe it they are really convinced that ukraine is something is a kind of artificial construction is a puzzle uh, 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 artificially put together and not able to function, and and so they are they are, I, they are really sharing the 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 Russian way of thinking about Ukraine. This is the first. Second, he was really convinced. Of course, we could say to be fair, he was not alone with it. The Germans, the French, a lot of people were really convinced that Russia will win. This war within a week, the war will be over. Some settlement will be made. No one will be really interested about Ukraine. And end of story. But this hasn't happened. And this is the moment when when Orban, we don't know precisely why. I can say business, blackmailing, hubris, so political convention or 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 or. or, or um, uh, fear to be struck, to be to be perceived as a as a loser. We don't know why precisely. Maybe a combination of all these factors. But he refused uh, to change rhetoric. To ref- he refused, and he he he's still sticking to the to the original version, which is uh, uh, Europe and NATO and the Western community overreacted. We should come to an agreement, which is truce, peace talks with Russia. Russia is, after all, a reliable, reliable player. We have to depend on Russia. This is the other, this is the other uh, very strong uh, statement. Russia uh, is, a, uh, is a very important uh, uh, economic uh, partner for Europe. We, can, we cannot do without Russia, and so on and so forth. Uh, on the regional plan, uh, much has been said over the last decades uh, about the Visegrad cooperation, and I had the, and I had very bad times and very hard times <laughs> over the last years in trying to explain my Italian fellows that Visegrad is not the new Axis pact uh, between Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. So uh, it is a, it is a it is a loose alliance of people and of countries which share some interest, maybe some values, but, who, but whose opinion differs on the very wide, wide range of issues. And it is no secret that Russia and relationship with Russia, Russia especially uh, since the first aggression in the Donbass and Crimea, so February, March 2014, uh, we knew that this relationship with Russia started to differ a lot. So Poland, Czech Republic, partially, I would say, Slovakia, were on a very different track than Hungary. 
After the Russian aggression now, in the, the full-scale Russian aggression, February 2022, uh, we could say that Visegrad cooperation in the form we have seen since 1991, it, it can be safely said, is over. That Visegrad is over. That regional cooperation is over. So Orban is now left with one I would say stable ally, uh, Alexander Vucic, uh, the autocratic leader of Serbia. And Vucic is very much like, like, like Orban in the Serbian political scene. Uh, it is a party state. He's the leader of a party state. Uh, uh, he's a leader of a country heading to the European Union, but according to all polls, not really willing to be part of it which is quite paradoxical. So we have uh, no candidate states like Kosovo who will, they would really like to be part of the European Union. And we, we have uh, candidate states in, in, in a very advanced phase like, like Serbia, uh, whose population and especially whose political elite is constantly looking for something different, which can be Russia, can be China now, can be Iran. Uh, there were uh, high-level talks between Serbian and Iranian representatives, I think, yesterday. I, I saw something in the news, which is also interesting because uh, one or two weeks ago, there were similarly high-level economic talks uh, between Hungarian delegation and Iranian delegation. And it was really at the peak uh, of the of the of the wave of protests going on in Iran, so it was particularly disgusting. If you allow me a, a moralistic comment, uh, to see uh, a high-profile delegation of a EU country uh, dealing with such a dictatorship uh, in the very middle of the, of the of the political and social turmoil and the bloody repression. Of, of protests uh, going on in Iran. So Orban is, is, really left, is, is really left now without stable allies. Poland could be an ally. Uh, all people say, okay, uh, Kaczynski will probably not openly betray Orban because after all, they think very similarly about a lot of things in the world, which is true. But we have to bear in mind that for the Poles, Russian aggression and uh, the stance towards Russia is not a tactical issue. It is a matter of belief. They are very, very clear about this. So you can't come to a compromise with Poland if you have a, if you have a, a compromising stance, stance on Russia. So for them, it is an existential threat. It is an existential issue. For Hungary, it's probably not. It is more about business. It is more about a cynical game. But for Poland, uh, uh, it is, uh, I would say, historically funded that Russia can be an existential threat to Poland. It has been several times over the last centuries. Uh, and there is some truth in it, <laughs> after all. So... I think that uh, Poland can, can, can probably side with Hungary on some issues against the so-called Brussels, but I don't think that this kind of magic, this kind of special relationship uh, will be replicated in the future. I think that uh, disillusion in Poland towards Orban and towards Hungary is much deeper than they let us understand publicly. They don't want to be to go public with this dissatisfaction, but I I I, I know from you know sources people I speak to in in Poland that they are not really so they they don't really understand what's going on in Hungary. They are they are they are they are, they are getting mad about the way Orban is handling uh, the Ukrainian issue and the Russian relationship. They really feel betrayed. And this is the most important thing now. Grazie, professor. Um, I, I'd like to be mindful of your time. It's now 10 o'clock. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, there, as you see, there's plenty of more questions. Uh, but 
it's either as you want. Either you can answer them succinctly, or we can wrap it up and uh, wish that you will come back to us at some point. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, I, um, I, I, I prefer to stop it now. Uh, would be very, very glad to talk to all of you um, in a different occasion. We can gather some questions and, and I can also promise you to be uh, a bit more brief in my answers. I'm sorry, I was a bit, uh, was a bit long, but uh, as all university professors, I was trying to explain and maybe trying to explain too much. <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, 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 please. That, that, was, that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, the the only the only small detail is that um you need to realize that we're learning we're we're a community of learners in a way uh everything that you've said uh has been recorded will be published and uh no but i'm i'm actually not joking we will repeat it to one another we will uh we will let uh, our friends who weren't here know what you've said uh we will uh, build on this and i think next time you'll have uh, you'll have uh, a more ready audience <laughs> and uh, a lot of questions, and we can, we're going to be able to move on to uh, lecture two. Well, technically, lecture three. Oh. <laughs> on... Okay, okay. Thank you so much. It was a privilege for me to be here. Okay, everyone. Uh, this was uh, Professor Stefano Bottoni. Uh, thank you very, very much. It's uh, amazing uh, to have heard you. Uh, your, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I think you're wonderful. Uh, you're such a... Uh, uh, vivid and uh, insightful commentator of the recent event. I think you should drop the academic career and go into <laughs> more, more like journalism. You're brilliant. Uh, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Have a nice day, all of you. Thank you.